Welcome to Passionately His, a ministry of Dr. Jeff Loach and St. Paul's Church in Nobleton, Ontario, Canada. Coming up, we'll hear a message from God's Word. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and check us out on YouTube at the link in the description where you'll find past services and messages that will inform your mind and form your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's this week's message. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I had a full head of hair. The longest my hair was ever allowed to get, my dad was a pretty clean-cut guy, was just below my ears in grade five. Ah, the halcyon days of the 1970s. All that hair is now just a memory, though you might be forgiven for thinking that it has really just slipped to my chin. My hair was never long enough to braid, and I've been threatened with bodily harm if I ever give consideration to braiding my beard. My favorite illustration, though, for weddings is the simple form of a hair braid. I say simple, even though I am absolutely confident I could never do it myself. It looks simple when it's done, but there's a trick to even the simplest of hair braids. The trick... Looks like two strands, actually three. You could never make a hair braid out of uh, one strand of hair. All you'd get is a knot. And you can't make it out of two, even though you might have some success if you kind of tried with two and then tied a really good knot at the bottom that you might never get out again. No, a braid needs three. Even though it looks like there's only two when you're done, it takes three. And what we're celebrating today is not just the dedication of a room to commemorate the Lord's work in a congregation over the course of some 200 years. We are celebrating the joining of two church families. We're celebrating the creation of a new community. We've had about five months to start getting used to each other. And understand, that's not easy when part of the new community is grieving a loss. In one sense, it's a bit like a widow remarrying immediately after her husband has died. The companionship is important and good, but there is a grief to be observed. And my hope is that the people of St. Paul's have given the people of Cavan a safe place in which to grieve and a hopeful place in which to look forward to the future of ministry that can be done together. We are two who have become one, but in reality... We are actually three who have become one. And if that sounds like new math or creative accounting, hold that thought for a moment as we read a passage from one of the stranger books in the Old Testament. If you've been around this year, you may be thinking that stranger books in the Old Testament might be Jeff's new hobby horse. Uh, But I can assure you that uh, when we're done Hosea next week, because we did Song of Songs, strange book, Doing Hosea, we're going to finish it next week, strange book. When we're done Hosea, we're going to go into Acts in the New Testament. So I'm going to break that hobby horse. But today, we're in one of the other strange books of the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. 
And some think Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. And while the book might possibly have been penned during the latter part of his reign, it actually suggests, the writing style suggests it probably was written a bit later than that. And the author almost certainly was somebody at a distance from the king. There is no name given to the author, but there is a name given to the book. And in Hebrew, that name is Kohelet, uh, which in the Greek translation of the New Testament called the Septuagint, you can use that in a crossword puzzle sometime because it won't be on your final exam. Um, the, The word in Greek is ekklesiastes. And you're thinking, so what? Well, let me tell you why this is important. The word Kohelet in Hebrew refers to someone who is part of an assembly. And the Greek translation of that, you've maybe heard things about the church referred to as being ecclesiastical. Well, that's where that comes from, because the word ecclesia in Greek is is the reference to um, those called out, the church. And so Kohelet is one who has been called out of the community. He is a part of this community of faith. And it is interesting that he is speaking from the community in the part we're going to look at today about the importance of community. The one part of Ecclesiastes with which you might be familiar is chapter 3 where the author says there's a time to live and a time to die, a time to sow and a time to reap and all that, often taken wildly out of context. We hear it at funerals and stuff like that. But to be honest, much of the book of Ecclesiastes is actually quite depressing. That's why you don't hear many sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes. There are some bright spots in it, of course, but it's mostly a book of despair. Happily for us, the part we are going to look at today is not one of the despairing parts. It is one of the happier parts. Written by an author who was part of an assembly, and it's about the value of community. As we read this, I want you to think of the braid, think of the two becoming one, that's actually three becoming one. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. That kind of gives you a taste for what much of Ecclesiastes is like, meaningless stuff. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. Then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Now, the author, Kohelet, paints us a picture of a man who's by himself, not married, no siblings, both parents gone, works hard to get rich. But in the midst of his hurry-scurry, he stops and asks himself why he is giving up pleasure in life for the sake of work when he's the only one he's working for. He's put aside any possibility of pleasure because he wants to have a comfortable life, but then he realizes that he's not having a comfortable life, he's just keeping on working. There's no pleasure. It's all meaningless. It's all depressing. Like the person who works like a slave for years and years, putting off vacations and enjoyment of life so he can retire while he's still young. And then he comes to the realization that tomorrow 
is promised to no one. Ian Provan, an Old Testament scholar, tells us that in some African language, there is a word for a non-African white person that roughly translates as person who endlessly rushes around to no apparent purpose. I hope you're as uncomfortable with that as I am. If we were to undertake a study in Ecclesiastes, you would find that the book is largely about not striving. It's a a book that envisions community as the alternate vision of the world, a book that sees cooperation leading to a rewarding life. But if you're wondering about that whole matter of the hair braid, let's read on. This is verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Literally, that says that they can help each other have a good return for their work. I've heard the phrase, many hands make light work idea is something like that. Or maybe you heard of the preacher who on the day the hydro went out told everybody, put your arms in the air because many hands make light work. Thank you. Verse 10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. A triple braided cord is not easily broken, or as the old translations would say, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Even in the Old Testament, they knew how to braid hair. But what do we have here? Verse 9 suggests there are, that two are better than one because they can help each other succeed. How is that? Well, verses 10 to 12 give us three scenarios. In verse 10, two are better than one because in crisis they can help each other. Many of you know I'm an only child. And when my last surviving parent died in May, I was left an orphan. And I don't know how I would have processed all that I had to do had I not had Diana at my side. My heart goes out to people who are literally alone with no parents, no spouse, no children, no friends. See, it's possible for a single person to live a happy and fulfilled life, even in the midst of crisis, but that'll only happen if that single person is committed to building friendships that will form a mutual support network. Two are better than one in crisis because they can help each other. In verse 11, Kohelet says that two are better than one in the cold because they can keep each other warm. Now, popsicle toes aside, on a cold December night, who does not appreciate having another 37-degree body to help deal with the chill while watching the tractor parade in Schomburg or while trying to go to sleep? Even porcupines have figured this out. On a cold night, they can manage to get close enough together without sticking each other with their quills that they can keep each other warm. And if porcupines can do it, so can humans and so can the church. In verse 12, Kohelet says that two are better than one because in battle they can conquer together. If you watched any of the police shows that used to be on TV before everybody got offended, you know that it was easier for an officer to take down a suspect when backup arrived. 
Now, hopefully none of us is going to find ourselves in a place where we're fighting someone and in need of backup. But think about it not in terms of physical battle, but in terms of spiritual battle. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're seeking to grow in your faith, then you, like me, are in a perpetual spiritual battle. Satan never sleeps, and he's doing his level best to keep you from growing in Christ. When you have another follower of Jesus who's got your back, who's praying for you, that battle is much easier to fight and to win. When I stand up here and proclaim the word of life to you, I am in a spiritual battle. It's the main reason I go home exhausted on Sunday afternoon. Yes, I'm an introvert, and yes, dealing with people is uh, is energy draining for me, but that's fine. I deal with that. What really is the challenge is when I am standing here giving you the word and Satan is doing everything he can to make that not happen. But when you pray for me, when you pray for the church, that is what enables me to get through this battle. It's because of you prayer warriors that I can successfully proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ week after week after week. Two are better than one. In battle, we can conquer together. In crisis, We can help each other. In the cold, we can keep each other warm. All this is true in friendship, in marriage, in any kind of partnership. There is hope in community. Community is in every way superior to solitary existence. But that's no longer assumed, is it? Used to be if you were put in prison and you were put in solitary confinement, that was like the worst punishment that you could get. Is that necessarily true anymore? Uh, nowadays, that might not be the case. Uh, when Brett Ullman was here a week ago Friday, uh, he was talking about how young people used to go out and you know, parents might not know where they were for hours till the streetlights came on or something like this, except that they were with their friends. Today, mo- most young people are in their rooms alone playing games or texting or group chatting with others. We know where they are. But to what degree are they engaging socially? Solitary confinement is not necessarily punishment for some. But Kohelet is telling us that community is better than being alone. Two can stand back to back and conquer. And then he says, three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. What does that mean? Two are better than one. And then suddenly, three are better. Plot twist. One plus one can equal more than two. This isn't weird math. It's actually faith. Think of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. It's a great story. Shake the bed, make the bed, and to bed you go. You remember that? That's the way I remember it anyway. Uh, These were three servants of God who refused to obey the king by forsaking the Lord And so the king followed through on his promise that anybody who stuck with the Lord was going to get stuffed into a fiery furnace. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are put into this hot, fiery furnace, and the king looks in, and he sees not three, but four figures. And when they come out, the three men come out alone, And they're not harmed. Their clothes aren't even singed. They trusted the Lord and went 
to what everybody expected would be their imminent deaths, only to find themselves unharmed. The Lord was present with them in the fiery furnace because they were faithful to him. Had they gone in without faith, they would have been rendered ash in no time at all. One plus one can equal more than two. Community is in every way superior to solitary existence. As we celebrate the uniting of two congregations, we can be assured that we can accomplish more together than we could have separately. Our communities, plural, can be better served by our joining together. And the kingdom of God can be further enlarged by our unity. Our amalgamation is more than just a merger, more than just an acquisition. This was not a business transaction. This is a collective Holy Spirit-led decision that God brought about for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom in our region. In today's mobile era, the idea of the parochial church has long passed A congregation does not just serve one geographical area. In order for a congregation, especially in a smaller congregation, to be successful, it has to be regional in scope. And in today's technological era, we're reaching out not only to people from a wide radius geographically, but literally we're reaching people globally through the Internet. And because of this minimal investment, the possibility of reaching more and more people has become a real, honest thing. The goal of using technology, though, is not just to bring people in the building, right? In fact, the goal of technology is beyond that. The possibility is that we could reach people who may never enter this building, but they can be reached with the unchanging gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And who knows? Maybe our efforts online may help to build another church somewhere in another part of the world. But that's part of building the kingdom of God. Changing hearts and lives in so many places. And all this is made better when we do it together. But let's be clear about one thing. None of this happens. None of it without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. None. Any effort we make solely under our own strength has no long-term hope of success. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit are needed to make any church effort succeed. In crisis, we can help each other, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. In the cold, we can keep each other warm, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. In battle, we can conquer together, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. If uniting the Cavan family with the St. Paul's family was just a marriage of convenience, even the larger body should die. Without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we will not advance the kingdom of God. But a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Cabin has a long history of service to Albion Township and Bolton and Caledon. St. Paul's has a much shorter history of service to Nobleton and King. If we're to secure a greater extension to that history from this point forward, 
we must cry out for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to be with us. Yes, we need each other. But more than that, we need the Lord our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to unite us, to empower us for many, many more years of service because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Be the presence of the risen Lord Jesus with us. Holy Spirit, come. Be the power of the Lord Jesus with us. Holy Spirit, enter each of our hearts to renew us, to enliven us, to make us ready and willing to engage with our communities. All for the sake of the gospel. Empower us to proclaim that Jesus loves the world and us as we are and loves us all too much to leave us as we are. Give us grace to believe that Jesus died and rose again for us. Give us grace to know that nothing can separate us from his love. Give us grace to see and experience the possibility of greater and greater things that can be done for your church and your world and your kingdom when we work together and see that one plus one is greater than two because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Father, bring your will to pass among us for the glory of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. If this message has inspired you to know and serve Jesus even more, I'd love to hear from you about that so I can pray for you and with you. Make use of the connection card at stpaulsnobleden.ca slash connect or speak to me after and I will follow up with you as you move forward in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit as one body in Christ in the world for which he died and rose again. Thanks for listening. Again, please subscribe, and if you have any questions or would like prayer, go to stpaulsnobleton.ca slash connect and fill in the connection card. I'll be glad to follow up with you. Blessings for your day.